Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Garrett Cole gave up four runs, nine hits, six innings, uh, six strikeouts. So unfortunately, uh, the over-under was seven and a half. We were talking about it, of course. Jake and Ty were producing the show yesterday. Uh, we had Joe Wiz on, and we were talking about uh, the over-under for uh, Garrett Cole's strikeouts. And I want to say we all took the over. Unfortunately, that did not hit. Only six strikeouts um, on the night. Not a typical performance from Garrett Cole based on what we've seen uh, in his previous three or four starts. Uh, and it's really unfortunate because, as we know, this is a Yankees team. Now uh, they've lost three of four. They've lost eight of their last 12. Um, they're now... Uh, not no longer the number one. Uh, no longer do they have the number one record in Major League Baseball. That now is with the Dodgers. Uh, is there sixty three and thirty? Meanwhile, the Yankees are sixty five and thirty one. Also, uh, that fourteen fifteen game lead in the American League East is uh, is is getting smaller. So right now, the Rays are twelve games back. The Blue Jays twelve and a half. Boston sixteen and a half. And of course, the Orioles at 17, but the Orioles playing really well, right? They had that 10 game win streak before the all-star break, um, lost uh, the first game against the Yankees one last night. So later on today, uh, at one will be the first pitch. Uh, we like to call it a rubber match, right? We've got nasty Nestor on the bump for the Yankees. Uh, as we know, he's seven and three with a two, six, three ERA. And, uh, we'll see if, uh, if, if he can uh, deal good enough where at least the Yankees walk away from the Orioles winning the series. Then of course they have tomorrow off and then it's the subway series. That's right. Who is ready for Tuesday and Wednesday night? I am. I'm excited as well. I'm going to be hosting here on 98.7 ESPN, 7 to 10 PM Monday through Thursday. So both on Tuesday and Wednesday, I will be on and uh, keeping you on top of, of course that game and uh, we'll see if, of course, if uh, those games end uh, while I'm still on air, uh, we can have some really good and great discussion. In regard to who is going to be pitching those days, right now the only pitcher who has been designated for the Tuesday start is Walker for the Mets. I am assuming, we know what happens when we assume, but I am I'm looking at the starts so far for the Yankees and the Mets, and I am estimating, how about that? I am estimating that Max Scherzer will get the start on Wednesday because, as we know, Jacob DeGron is not ready. He's scheduled for another rehab start before he comes back up here to the bigs. Had somewhat of a little setback, a little sore shoulder. Nonetheless, for the Yankees, I believe it's going to be Herman and, uh, on, on Tuesday and maybe Tyone on Wednesday. That's what I'm assuming. And again, I know what happens when you assume. We don't always like to do that. But um, the pitching matchup in those two games, I, I think, are going to be really crucial. And, uh, of course, you know, it, it would be great if, if it worked out where it would have been DeGrom and Scherzer against Cole and, uh, and, and, and Nestor Cortez. But 
he's pitching today. So obviously Cole pitched yesterday, so neither of those two guys are going to be available. Uh, your guess is as good as mine in regard to who's going to pitch for the Yankees those two games, but only time will tell. 800-919-3776. Let's open up the phone lines. Let's talk some Yankees because it's unfortunate. They lose to the O's last night, but there's bigger there's a bigger picture here to dive into, right? And that is A, their bullpen, and also B, what's going on with uh, Juan Soto and, and the latest. Uh, Buster Only has an excellent article out on ESPN.com. I want to dive into that article as well. We'll open up the phone lines. Yankee fans, again, uh, lost three of four. Obviously, two of those three were to the Astros. We know that's going to be a big hurdle, especially once this team gets into the postseason. They've lost eight of 12. Judge is still tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, four hits, two RBIs. By the way, he now leads uh, Major League Baseball with 79 RBA, RBIs on the season. He's now back up to 292 batting average. Uh, did not have a great July. Dipped a little bit, but um, is definitely um, the last uh, the last few games uh, his, uh, has definitely raised that batting average. And Carpenter, how about this? 14 home runs and 89 at-bats for the Yankees. Isn't that impressive? That's an interesting stat um, to, to, as I like to say, marinate in. So uh, quick break. We come back. We'll continue to talk Yankees with you. We have some sound from last night as well. Uh, Anita Marks with you until noon today here on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, Eric Bowling joins us from Newsday. Eric, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing uh, great here in very uh, sweltering Baltimore, Anita. How are you today? I know it's about the same up in New York. It is. It is. By the way, you might not know this about me, but uh, I lived in Baltimore for four years. Um, I hosted uh, Afternoon Drive. So you're very familiar with the heat. Yes, yes, I am. I I hosted Afternoon Drive from 2 to 6, and my radio show was simulcast on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network when it first launched. So I pretty much worked for the Orioles, wink, wink. And um, and so I... (laughs) I've been to Camden Yards several times. I've had several orange crushes. Um, I've eaten a ton of Boog's barbecue. And, um, and little known fact, folks might not be aware of this. Of course, um, you know, you've got the warehouse back there uh, behind uh, right field. And do you know that there's only one Major League Baseball player who hit a home run that hit the warehouse? Do you know who it is? Boy, oh boy, you're a te- was, he a, was it an Oriole or was it a visiting team player? Well, it was actually an all-star game, and it happened in the home run derby. Oh, oh okay. I, I, who was it? I would, I, yeah, I, I don't even have a guess because this place opened in 1992. I think they had the all-star game. What year was the all-star game here? So, so, so just for folks who haven't been out to Camden Yards, um, behind right field, there's an area of standing room only. It's Boog's Barbecue is out there. It's a really fun time, and they have, a, they have like a, a walkway, an alley, and then they have the warehouse. And whenever uh, somebody hits a, if a player hits a home run, wherever that home run lands on the walkway, uh, they put a, a little medallion with the name of the player, how long the home run was, and what year it was hit. And there is only one medallion that is on the warehouse, and it's Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and Junior. he hit. Yeah. Yep, he hit. He 93? hit the war- He hit. I'm not sure what year. I wouldn't be surprised. It sounds like it, but he's the only player who's ever hit a home run that far uh, to hit the warehouse. Wow. So there's only one medallion on the warehouse. 
uh, and it's Ken Griffey Jr. Anyway, just, you know, fun, fun trivia for you on this Sunday morning, <laughs> Eric. Uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us and joining us. Really do appreciate it. Um, let's talk about what's going on with the Yankees, right? Like beyond just the fact that they lost last night, this is a team that's lost three of four. We can dive into uh, the road bump that I think will be uh, the Houston Astros, especially in the postseason. They've lost eight of 12 now they're behind the Dodgers because the Dodgers only have 30 losses. As we know, the Yankees have 31. Uh, what has been the difference with this ball club the last few weeks? You know, Anita, I mean, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's always a combination of things generally when a team goes into a little bit of a nosedive, and, and this is a small one for the Yankees when you, when you consider the, the big picture, but they have lost 8 of 12, and, and they have not uh, been the same team that they were the first, you know, nearly three months of the season. But, uh, you know, they, they finally uh, have got hit with the injury bug. They were one of the few teams that, that had avoided that uh, the first few months of the season. Uh, and going along with that has been, uh, you know, some underperformance by some of their rotation guys who had gotten off to really good starts. Jamison Tyone certainly, uh, you know, is on that list. Uh, Nestor Cortez has still been good, but, uh, you know, he has not been as, as automatic. Uh, you know, you saw last night, uh, you know, Garrett Cole, the, the first couple of months of the season, handed a 3 nothing lead early on, probably would have found a way uh, to finish that one off. And if he didn't find a way to finish it off, the bullpen probably would have done it. Uh, and, and we saw, you know, both things kind of have uh, mild uh, implosions last night. But, uh, you know, look, the bullpen has taken some significant hits. Uh, they took a really big one uh, the other day when, when uh, Michael King's elbow basically fractured on a pitch. Uh, on an 0-2 slider that he threw uh, to Ramon uh, Urias on on Friday night, uh, and he had been he should have been in L.A. as one of the Yankees All Star representatives. King has been that good uh, this year, uh, and right now when you look at that bullpen, which was so locked down the first part of the year, Anita, uh, really the first almost three months of the season, uh, other than Clay Holmes. Uh, there, there's not a guy that you look at and say, okay, he's automatic right now. It, whereas, again, the first few months of the season, you know, you had six, even seven guys that, that you would say were, were automatic down there. Uh, and the offense has uh, kind of hit a little bit of a, a, a rough spot as well. I mean, Aaron Judge is still doing what he's doing, obviously. DJ LeMayhew, very quietly, uh, you know, has gotten himself back up to, you know, his on base percentage, I think, is in the 390 range, which is remarkable. His batting average is, is over 280. Uh, you know, he's bounced back from a, a rough start. Uh, but the offense has not been as consistent as, as it was the, uh, the first part of the year. So all of those things together, uh, you know, has kind of uh, led the Yankees to where they're at. But, again, you look big picture at it, they still have a double-digit lead uh, in the division. Uh, I don't think they're going to get pushed in that regard the rest of the year. But uh, the storyline the rest of the season obviously is going to be that chase for, uh, for home field advantage. They're getting the National League, you know, best of the Dodgers. Obviously, the Yankees want nothing to do with having to go to Minute Maid Park uh, in an ALCS situation because, uh, you know, everyone knows how that worked out in 2017 and 2019. And the Yankees just don't hit in that building. They, they haven't for a very long time, uh, certainly going back to, to the 2017 ALCS. So, you know, that, that's going to be, to me, uh, the, the drama of the second half. It's not going to be the division race. It's going to be the, uh, you know, the, the potential photo finish between them and the Astros for home field in the American League. Eric Boland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, a, a lot to unpack beyond just this series against the O's. And, of course, one thirty this afternoon, the rubber match. Uh, Nestor is uh, nasty. Nestor, as many of us like to call him, uh, is, uh, is going to be pitching for the Yankees today. But let's go bigger picture. You hit on Michael King. 
really weird injury we were watching. Uh, and so he's out for the season. Chapman, obviously, has been struggling. His ERA now is at 575. Um, you know, what as we get closer to the trade deadline, August 2nd, uh, what are you hearing? Uh, you know, who are some of the pitchers that, that Yankee fans uh, should keep an eye on that possibly Cashman might or likely bring in to help uh, improve this bullpen? Well, you know, the bullpen was not high on their priority list. They, they were talking about bull, adding a bullpen arm before the King injury, but talking to some people in the organization uh, yesterday, uh, as it was described to me, uh, we had to reprioritize. Uh, not that, you know, look, they, they're in the market for a starting pitcher. They definitely are looking at an outfield upgrade. But the, the King injury, you know, has caused the Yankees. It was not – getting bullpen help was not at the top of their priority list going to the trade deadline. Uh, I wouldn't say it's still top of the list, but as it was described to me by someone in the organization yesterday, uh, and they're also looking to upgrade the outfield, you know, now the priorities are, you know, it's, it's 1A, 1B, 1C in, in whatever order you want. Uh, in terms of getting a starter, getting a, you know one or two relievers, uh, and also you know upgrading in the in the outfield position. You know, look, I, it, it, it's hard because there's so many teams, Anita, that think that they're in the race, especially with a third wild card uh, team added. You know, you, you you can't just go out and, and you know say, oh, I want that guy, and, and just go get him because teams have to be willing to to part with assets as well. And if a team thinks that they're in the playoff hunt, I'll give you a good example. You know, the Orioles are actually within shouting distance of the third wild card spot. Jorge Lopez, who uh, closed the game last night uh, for the Orioles as an all-star, you know, there's rumors that, that, that he could be on the trade market. From what I understand, the Orioles still haven't decided whether they're going to be, uh, you know, they're probably not going to be buyers, but they may not be sellers either. They've got a young team, an exciting team that, that really got hot before the all-star break. Uh, Lopez, you would have said the first two months of the season, definitely would have been on the trading block. Now, uh, you know, as, as one of their staff said to me yesterday, do we want to send that message to our guys in the clubhouse that have played their ass off uh, the, the first half of the season, particularly, you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, send the message that they get the 500 and now we're going to sell off pieces. Uh, and the Orioles aren't alone in, in that regard, the teams that are just sort of hovering. You know, Seattle was a team that, that you figured, oh, okay, we'll just go in their bullpen or see if they've got any outfielders available. Well, they go on a 14-game winning streak that just ended, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago at the hands of the Astros, of all teams, again. Um, you know, and now are, are there eight, nine games over 500? they're probably not going to sell. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't get so bogged down on who the big names are, Anita, because remember, the Yankees' best trade deadline acquisition last year was Clay Holmes. And covering this team as long as I have, uh, that was one of the more muted responses by the fan base and the media when the Yankees traded for this guy. And, and for the most part, the reaction was, Clay who? And he had an over five ERA. He walked the ballpark at very, you know, little command. Uh, and that move caused zero excitement uh, among the Yankees, the media, et cetera. Uh, and Holmes was a beast after the Yankees got him last year. And he's been one of the best relievers in the American League uh, this year. So, uh, you know, the Yankees, they're definitely going to make some moves. Is it going to be major surgery? Like a, a Luis Castillo, uh, the red stud pitcher, the Yankees do have an interest in. Is it going to be Juan Soto? Uh, the Yankees have made some preliminary calls on that, checking in on his availability. But both of those guys are going to cost a haul of prospects. 
uh, and and names that, that Yankee fans have gotten very excited about the last couple of years, like uh, Peraza and Volpe, the shortstops, uh, Jason Dominguez, the Martian center field guy that just got center field prospect that just got uh, promoted to Hudson Valley. Uh, Trey Sweeney, you can go down to Ken Waldachuk, you can go down the list of some of their top prospects. If you're going to execute a trade for one of those two guys, Soto especially, you're going to lose a lot of those guys, if not you know all of them. Uh, and so the Yankees are having an internal debate on whether or not they want to hold on to some of these prospects or, or trade them. But again, I wouldn't get so carried away with, with who the biggest names are that are out there because you know some of the best moves that Cashman has made in recent seasons have been the under-the-radar deals. Uh, again, Eric Boland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I, I do want to uh, spend a minute talking about the potential of Juan Soto. As we know, he turned down the 15-year, $44 million, um, and, and you know every, everything that I, I've been hearing, whatever deal does happen, whatever trade package does happen, it's going to blow the doors off of anything we've ever seen uh, in Major League Baseball, let alone uh, maybe in, in professional sports. So here, here's my question to you. Number one, um, you know, before we've heard Cashman say, you know, prospects off limits. We're not, we're not touching our farm system. Obviously, you're talking about a guy like Juan Soto, right? That, that changes the conversation. But, but to what degree would be my first question. Number two, hypoth- hypothetically speaking, if the Yankees were to get Juan Soto, that would automatically mean this is the last year for Aaron Judge, correct? Uh, no, not at all. No, because, you know, the, the, the Yankees... Soto's got a couple of years more of control after the fact. I'm sure the Yankees would obviously try to extend him, but um, you know, look, Hal Steinbrenner's not, and you know, I'm, I'm not looking at his uh, his bank account or anything like that. But you know, the Yankees are not hurting for money by any stretch. If they want to have their payroll go up to 300 million dollars, they can certainly afford to to do it. So if the Yankees trade for Soto, I I, I wouldn't look at it as uh, you know they're they're subbing in one superstar. Uh, for another one who, who's then out the door. The, the judge contract negotiations, that's a whole different topic. They're going to be tough. You know, Brian Cashman has a, uh, has a phrase that he uses, and I remember when, when they extended Derek Jeter after what were some very contentious public negotiations, and uh, Cashman said, you know, sometimes you have to walk through the fire to get to where you, you, you want to go. And the Yankees are going to have to walk through the fire to, to re-sign Aaron Judge. Like I said, that, that's going to be, and he made it clear with what he turned down before the season, uh, that, that he's going to take nothing less than what he considers to be uh, top dollar for, for his value. And, and, and as someone who always thinks the players should get as much as they possibly can, I, I'm in agreement on that. Uh, I've always felt that way. Uh, but but I don't see it as, you know, if you bring in a Juan Soto, which, again, is very much a long shot. Uh, it's unprecedented for a, a player of that talent uh, in that prime of his career to be on the trading block uh, the way that he is. I think, to me, the only comparable situation might be the Milwaukee Bucks with, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor back in 1974, I want to say, when they executed the trade with the Lakers for, I want to say, it was eight players. Uh, to me, that that's the, the only one that comes to mind that's even comparable where you, you have a, a player of that ilk uh, that, that's, that's going to be uh, potentially traded. But, uh, you know, it really does come down to, and I know that the debate is going on in the Yankees organization, this is a, a once-in-a-generational player. Uh, do, do we give up uh, the level of prospects that it's going to take to get this guy? Or, you know, we, we've, we've you know, reinvested so much in our farm system to where, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not as good as the Yankees, you know, like to, to, to think it is necessarily because other teams determine the value of your farm system. You don't determine it. Um, but the Yankees do have a lot of assets that other teams uh, would want, and they are one of the few teams uh, that do have the assets that could pull off this type of a mega deal. Uh, it's just a question of, of if they want to, uh, you know, basically blow up the, the farm system to get this guy. Uh, me personally, if I was running things, I, I, I would say, and an executive from another team said it to me yesterday uh, when I was talking to him about the Soto situation. He goes, is there really a price that's too high uh, for a player of that caliber? Great stuff, Eric. So appreciate you joining us from uh, from Charm City, um, as a number of us like to call it, Hun. Have you been called Hun yet? Hey, Hun. Uh, no, not down here. Okay. Well, it, it, it will happen at some point in time. Trust me. Um, you know, they, 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 uh, they another, actually... Another one to cross off the bucket list. They, they, also, they also, they have a Hun Fest. <laughs> they use wow. that word so much, there's a festival. It's called the Hun Fest, Hun. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us again on this Sunday morning. Appreciate you. Uh, a, a lot to unpack, uh, a lot to digest, and, uh, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday fun day. Thanks so much, Anita. Enjoyed it as always. Be well. You got it. Uh, Eric Bolin, Newsday, covering all things Yankees. And uh, very interesting, though. Uh, you know, everything that I was reading and, and, and hearing was that if the Yankees were to uh, trade for Soto, it would mean that this more than likely would be the last year for Aaron Judge. Uh, even though Soto has two more years left on his deal that um, would pay, I want to say, so he's making $17 million this year arbitration, whatever, next year, anywhere between 23 to 24 million, 30 million expected in 2024. But you would think that, of course, uh, the Yankees would have to, you know, get a new deal in place for Soto uh, at some point in time within that three-year period. Meanwhile, uh, Aaron Judge is looking for a 10-year, $40 million deal. So... Uh, This is Diamond Notes brought to you by Two by London, the engagement shop by London Jewelers. Pick or design the perfect engagement ring to fit every budget at any of their six, count them, six area locations. 800-919-3776. We come back, we'll take your calls. Talking more Yankees with you here on 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash network hi it's mike greenberg letting you know espn bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sportsbook of espn has exclusive offers and markets from scott van pelt Stephen a smith and me plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today new users get a bet reset up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You've got top leaderboard Scott Piercy at 18 under. He tees off at 1235. His partner will be uh, Grillo. And then I like Tony Finau. Tied for third. Him and Doug Gim tee off at, well, well Finau tees off at, uh, at 1224. 
Um, and Gim actually is, is in the final group. Um, so I guess it's three of them with Piercy and Grillo. So I, but I'm looking at Tony Fino today. And again, so that action starts in a little over two and a half hours. We'll talk some NFL with you coming your way this hour. We'll hear from Cynthia Freeland as well. Um, but just a, a few things really quick before we do turn our, turn our attention to uh, the live tournament and, and some of the, the comments in regard to the lady golfers, possibly if they were to get the call from Greg Norman in live, uh, would they listen? I'm going to get into that in just a second. We had a caller called in not too long ago, um, you know, just saying how hypocritical uh, a lot of these lady, lady golfers are if they were to jump ship for the LPGA and go play for live. But hold on one second. I just want to, we had a caller who just called just a second ago saying, you know, that, um, you know, what's wrong with the Yankees? Why don't they want to resign Judge? Here's the thing. They do want to resign Judge. Um, but Judge is 30 years old and Judge wants 10 years. So what does that mean? Whatever team's going to sign him uh, is not going to get the judge that we're seeing right now the last three or four years of that contract. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? It's really the big question. In regards to salaries, by the way, just to put everything into, in, into perspective and in, in what judge is looking for, um, you know, Max Scherzer, he's got a three-year, $43 million a year deal. Garrett Coles uh, has a $36 million a year deal. Mike Trout, and, and really that's the comparison, right? Like you could say, well, those are, those are, those are starting pitchers. Those aren't just starting pitchers. Those are aces, right? Uh, few and far to come by. And, um, and, and obviously defense wins championships. And, and so at least majority of teams feel that way. Uh, but, you know, comparing Aaron Judge to, let's say, Mike Trout, 12 years, $35 million a year. So you can sit and say, well, do you feel that, that Aaron Judge is just as good, if not better, than Mike Trout? Uh, so you got to compare that, right? Some people would say yes. Some people might say no. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a fair and a, a fair debate to have. Wouldn't say somebody's right, somebody's wrong. It's your opinion. But I think that's a fair argument or debate. So I can understand why Aaron Judge is looking for 10 years, $40 million. Correa, three years, $35 million. Mookie Betts, 12 years, $30 million. Harp, Harper, uh, 13 years, $25 million. Stanton's got that 12-year, $25 million. Uh, again, just to kind of share with you what, what's out there right now. And this is what we see from, uh, from professional athletes all the time. Right? Like, well, I'm better than this player. I'm better than that player. Look at what that player is making. Since I'm a better baseball player or football player or basketball player, then I should make more than that individual because I'm better. So, you know, that's, 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 that's normal in regard to what we see, not just in Major League Baseball, but across the board. The bigger question here is what team is going to step up to the plate, no pun intended, offer Aaron Judge the 10-year $40 million dollars where statistically baseball players, when they hit 35, 36, 37 years old, stats fall by the wayside. So what does that mean for the last three or four years of the deal that a team may offer Aaron Judge? You're not getting the Aaron Judge right now. You're just not. You know, different situation with Juan Soto. He's seven years younger than, than, than Aaron Judge. Seven years younger. It's, uh, you know, age is a thing. Age is a thing. All right, uh, really quick, uh, because I, I do want to turn our attention to some NFL. We've got 
the veterans who are reporting this week. NFL camps are going to be in full effect this week. Can you believe it? Somebody pinch me. The NFL season is here. As we know, August, it's all about training camps. It's all about uh, two-a-days. It's all about teams with joint practices and scrimmages. Uh, We really don't care about the preseason games anymore. And I'm hearing as well that um, coaches are going to put more value. We saw it last season. I think we're going to see it a lot this season as well. Coaches putting more value in the joint practices without the TV cameras there than, than anything else. And it all begins this week. So uh, we'll spend a good portion of time in the next two hours talking about the Jets and talking about the Giants as well. But I just, we had a caller who called in not too long ago, right after we uh, we had our, our golf show on the tee. Christina Thompson joined me on the show. Uh, she's the CEO owner of Golf For Her. She uh, she sponsors and dresses a lot of women on the LPGA Tour. She's got her finger on the pulse of the LB, LPGA Tour better than most. And so reports are that the commissioner of the LPGA came out and said that if she was to receive a call from Liv or uh, Greg Norman, she would accept it and she would uh, be open to the discussion of live and whatever interest they would have with LPGA tour players. And a caller called in and said, well, you know, uh, you know, don't you feel that, um, Tom, what was the word he used? I'm, I'm drawing a blink right now. Um, in regards to the LPGA players, um, hypocritical. That was the word he said. Yeah, don't hip- you think, right. That's really, don't you find that it, it very hypocritical? Here's the thing. LPGA players, are and, and 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 understand all the reasons why somebody would say no, right? Because live the association the association with Saudi Arabia, the way that they treat women, um, the connection between the Saudi money and 9/11, all those all, let's all let's shelf all those things, right? And all the reasons why, as a female, one would say, oh no, hell with you, take your live tour and stick it where the, sh- the sun doesn't shine, okay? For all those reasons, let's shelf those for a second. Let's let's just let's and 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 don't kill don't I'm playing devil's advocate here. Don't kill the messenger. I'm just playing devil's advocate, and that is women's career earnings night and day to to the PGA Tour. And and I I get it. Like there's not a lot of people who do watch the LPGA Tour. I get it. You know, there's not a lot of people who watch golf. I understand that unless you're, you love golf as much as I do. If you play golf, you're an avid golfer, then you love to watch golf because you're just so intrigued in regard to shot selection, club use, all that. Um, And so that's a big draw. But nonetheless, you know, I, I understand that there's not a boatload of people out there who watch golf. But anyway, sponsorship and whatnot, the men make like ridiculously a more amount of, of, of earnings. So your typical, how much does an average LPGA player make? Um, a little over $140,000 a year. Now you've got career earnings, right? You've got Annika Sorenston, who's made over 22 million. Um, Carrie Webb, who's made over 20 million. Christy Kerr, over 20 million. Um, Inby Park, over 18 million. But, but, you know, these are, these are the, the best of the best of the world and they've been so dominant, but think about that for a minute. Like you take somebody who was as successful as Annika Sorenston, again, who's made $22 million career earning. You compare that to a guy. And if you have a, a, a guy who was just as successful as Annika, 
and what his career earnings would be with the number of years that she played, over $100 million, possibly over $300 million. Um, and, and not to say that $22 million is, is something to balk at. It's not. I'm just, I'm, I'm comparing apples and oranges. And, and yeah, a big reason why is the LPGA doesn't have a huge fan base. You know, they do have a TV deal. They do have sponsorships, but nowhere close uh, to, to, to what the men are making. And, and again, the average salary um, for an LB, LPGA player right now in 2021 is about $140,000 a year. And keep in mind, that $140,000, uh, you know, that's, you've got to pay for your own travel. You've got to pay for your caddies travel. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that, that definitely goes into that. Um, so I just share that with you just to say, I could understand why the LPGA commissioner said, if they make the call, we'll listen because you're the money obviously that live is, is offering to the men is, is ridiculous. I, I would imagine that, you know, possibly one or two tournaments that let's just say they have a, a woman's event plan. You know, who, I mean, who knows whoever the, you know, the, the top golfer is, you know, Corda or, or whatever the case would make close to what Annika Storensen has made in her career. So it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting time right now. You know, I'm not a big supporter of this this live tour. Um, it's wreaking havoc when it comes to the PGA tour. I don't like what's happening. Um, but in, and I'm somebody who I don't mind change. I know there's a lot of people out there who get really, really freaked out with change. It's not my situation. I love change. I think change is important in everybody's life. I think it only helps you grow. It helps you develop. It helps you. It, you know, I, I think some of the strongest people in in the world are are people who've embraced change. Um, so it's not about that. Um, I just, I just don't like, I don't like what's happening in regard to how severed, uh, the tour is becoming with certain players going to live and it's just, it's, it's getting ugly, but, um, it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. We've heard the song. We know what rules the world. And uh, it will be interesting to see if Greg Norman in the Live Tour do reach out to the LPGA and what a number of these, these women will decide to do. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Chris in Long Island. Chris, welcome in. Hey, Anita. Um, oh, sorry about that. I was you on speaker. Um, yeah. I am not, I'm not a golf fan. I don't play golf. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering that the best female golfers, right, from a layperson's point of view, couldn't they compete against the men? Like the best golfers, like what is it no. that they can't hit? Because they can't hit the ball far enough, right? They can't it? because like, here's here's the thing. Annika Storenston, if you recall, years ago participated, played against the guys in the Buick. Now you know some would uh-huh. say that Sorensen is is the the best female golfer, right? Like yeah. in, of, of our of our generation, and. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she had she had to play from the same tee box um, as the men, and and right. she she hit it she hit it a far way, but it's just yeah. it would be it would be next to and, and Chris I understand so you you don't play golf at all. I no, I mean look I play all sports but I'm not a golfer. 
Okay. No, All right. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. So, and, and I appreciate the phone call and it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great question. So, so what happens is, you know, the women, unfortunately don't have the distance off the tee. So let's just say like, if a woman was to play in a man's tournament, um, a, a man is hitting the ball, you know, besides Bryce and DeChambeau, a man's hitting the ball 300, 350 yards. Okay. On average, let's say a female golfer is hitting the ball 250, 280 on average. Okay. So now you're talking about a hundred, a hundred yard disadvantage for a female coming into the second shot. So what does that mean? A man uh, very well could be grabbing an eight iron, a nine iron. If it's Bryson DeChambeau for his approach shot, maybe he's grabbing his sandwich. A woman is having to reach for a seven iron, possibly a five wood for that approach shot. Chances are the likeliness of her greens and regulation, getting on the greens, landing the ball on the green. So all she has to do is one putt. Uh, her chances slim to none, not as likely as a guy who's reaching for a sand wedge or a nine or an eight iron. So, I mean, you know, it's just, and, and it all starts on, on the tee. And, you know, there's no way that they're going to allow a female to play in a man's event and allow her to hit from a tee that has a more forward box that there's just no way that's going to happen. When, when Sorenstam played on in the Buick open a few years ago, again, one of the stipulations was she had to play from uh, the same tee box as the men. And she was one of the women who, who, who hit it pretty far and competed and did well. But yeah, um, just, it will begin and end on the tee box for a female to participate and play against uh, the, the men. That's for sure. So that's not going to happen. But a solid call and, and a very good question, Chris. And, and I do appreciate your call. Quick break. We come back. Let's turn our attention to the NFL. And Eddie wants to talk about Daniel Jones. So because he's been on hold now for a good five minutes, uh, let's start there. Um, we will start talking about the Giants. We'll also talk about the Jets. We'll hear from Cynthia Freeland this hour as well. Nita Marks with you on this Sunday morning here on 98.7 ESPN. You've heard me say this before. I'm not a Daniel Jones apologist. Jury is still out for me on Daniel Jones. Okay. I'm not sitting here telling you that Daniel Jones is going to be the end all be all. It's not what I'm saying. You look around, you look around the NFL. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I've got, I've got, you know, the standings here in front of me. So let's just go through this, right? There are a number of quarterbacks who I think Daniel Jones could be better than or that I would want Daniel Jones quarterbacking my ball club other than these quarterbacks. Okay, let's have some fun with this. Let's go through it. So I'm not a big fan of Tua. Like, I, I, I just, I'm not, about, I'm not about Tua. So I'd rather have Daniel Jones over in the AFC East. Tua. Um, jury still stands, is out for me with, with Zach Wilson as well, Jets fans. Hate to say it. Still, uh, jury out for me with Jack, Zach Wilson as well as Daniel Jones. So that's that's a shrug my shoulders. Can't say there, right? Um, I think Mitchell Trubisky is going to surprise some folks uh, being the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way. So I won't say Mitchell Trubisky. Um, still, jury still out for me with Davis Mills with the Houston Texans. Um, uh... Tennessee Titans, here's the thing. I'd rather have Daniel Jones as my starting quarterback to see what I can do with him 
rather than Ryan Tannehill. So there's two right there in the AFC. Denver Broncos, obviously not. Raiders, no. Chargers, no. So two quarterbacks in the AFC that I would rather have Daniel Jones as my starting quarterback over is the Miami Dolphins in Tua and the Tennessee Titans and uh, Ryan Tannehill, okay? Shrug my shoulders, big question mark with the Jets and Zach Wilson, big question mark with the Houston Texans and Davis Mills. I know there's a lot of coaches out there who like him. Um, and so that's the AFC. Now let's take a look at the NFC, okay? Um, <sighs> Golf with the Detroit Lions, for sure. I'd rather have Daniel Jones, okay? Um, Marcus Mariota with the Atlanta Falcons. I'd rather have Daniel Jones. I'd rather have Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. And I'm really hoping that a new team, a new scenery for Baker Mayfield does things for him. We will see. Only time will tell. And, um, and, you know, obviously the Seattle Seahawks, uh, you know, you, you've got Geno Smith and, uh, and and Drew Locke there. So that's, what is that? One, one, two, three. So, so, so there's five teams total. Three in the NFC, two in the AFC. There's three teams total that I feel I have. I, I, I'm adamant and I have conviction that I'd rather have Daniel Jones as my starting quarterback over them. Why? because I think that there is a higher ceiling for Daniel Jones. We have not tapped into it. We have not seen it. This is my opinion, okay? I'm not sitting here telling you that Daniel Jones will be better than those five quarterbacks or the, the five teams that have those quarterbacks manning uh, their, uh, their, their quarterback position as of right now. But based on what the Giants have not been able to do for this young man, giving him an offensive line, one of the worst offensive lines he's had to play behind his entire career here with the Giants. Just god-awful, okay? Um, Saquon Barkley has not been able to stay healthy and has not had a solid rushing attack. And, and it's so important to have a rushing attack in the NFL as a quarterback because that's what's going to keep defenses honest. What does that mean? Um, it means that defenses aren't just going to go and play against the pass all the time because they know that you don't have a running back in the backfield that's going to be able to run the ball. Wide receivers. Horrible wide receiving core Daniel Jones has been playing with since he's gotten here. Let's be honest. Evan Ingram, uh, more drops than catches, especially in crucial situations. Um, you know, uh, Sterling Shepard hasn't been able to stay healthy. You're talking about Darius Slayton was, you know, his number one option last year because Kenny Galladay couldn't get on the field. Kadarius Toney could not get on the field. Okay, so what is he working with this season? He's got an improved offensive line with both Andrew Thomas and Nevin, Evan Neal as his book in tackles. Okay, also, this is a team that went out, made some moves in free agency to shore up uh, their center and their guard positions. So one would argue, one could argue that this is going to be a top 15 offensive line in the NFL this season. Best offensive line Daniel Jones has been playing behind since he's arrived here, since he's become a pro. Saquon Barkley, hopefully he can stay healthy. Obviously, you know what you get with Saquon Barkley. Hopefully he will keep defenses honest. I don't know, maybe defenses will stack the box. Put eight or nine in the box because they're going to want to take Saquon Barkley out of the equation and say, all right, Daniel, you, you beat us with your arm. 
That would be great for Daniel Jones. Wide receivers. Kenny Galladay. Can he stay healthy? Earn his keep. Dude's getting paid a boatload of money. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. Sterling Shepard. Can he stay healthy? Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney, uh, Sterling Shepard, and Robinson, are they going to be competing for that quote-unquote slot position, that third wide receiver position? So, uh, and and I do like Ricky Seals-Jones. I'm not saying that he's the end-all, be-all at the tight end position, but I think he's really talented. Now, and, and here's, the, here's, here's the big elixir, and that is Brian Dable, right? We saw what, he was, what he's been able to do with Josh Allen in that offense with the Buffalo Bills. You add in offensive coordinator Kafka, who comes over from Kansas City, and the two of them combined. This isn't going to be a Bills offense. This isn't going to be a Kansas City Chiefs offense. This is going to be a Giants offense with Daniel Jones, who's more athletic than what most people think. I think he's, he's athletically deceiving, okay? Dude ran 22 miles an hour. Granted, yeah, he tripped over his own two feet, but nonetheless, how, how many human beings could run 22 miles an hour? Not many. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL of 20 yards or more. So again, I just say, jury's still out for me in regard to Daniel Jones, but I'm very excited for the opportunity that presents itself for Daniel this season. Behind this offensive line, with the plethora of skilled position players he's going to work with, and more importantly, the head coach slash offensive coordinator who's going to come in here and for the first time, Daniel Jones really has um, really good, talented men uh, put together an offense that's going to accentuate his ability and his talents and truly give him something to work with. And we'll see what happens. If he flat, If he falls flat on his face, well then... It is what it is. And this organization then knows it, it needs to move on. The biggest thing for Daniel Jones, in my opinion, is dude's got to stay healthy, right? Like track record in regard to staying healthy has not been great. So the most important thing for Daniel Jones, stay healthy, be able to compete, be able to learn, be able to process, be able to compete, be able to show off. And we'll see what happens this season. What say you? 800-919-3776. We'll take your calls next. 98.7 ESP. Nina Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN talking all things NFL, getting you ready to your training camps. Big action. Uh, or I should say back in action this week. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is live in New Jersey. Visit Superbook.com for all the latest odds and promotions. Have a problem? You want to make sure you want to call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's for sure. Okay, so we just heard from uh, Barrios talking about like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to the postseason this year. For, okay, so for a few things. Let's start first and foremost in the division. No way they win one game against the Buffalo Bills. Um, there's just, sorry, not sorry. There's, there's just no way. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking here. So they play Buffalo the week before their bye, uh, which is week nine. And then they they go into their bye week in week 10 and uh, that's at home. And then, um, and then in December, December 11th, they're at Buffalo. Ugh, that sucks. All right. You, you don't want to, you don't want to play in Buffalo in December. So. 
if you do want to, if you do face Buffalo, you definitely want to play Buffalo in Buffalo in September, in October, possibly November, not December or January. That's for sure. So there's that. Um, if, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of Mac Jones. And now reports are this week that uh, Bill Belichick is going to have his hands on this offense, possibly be not only the head coach, but the offensive coordinator in calling plays this season for Mac Jones. So I love that. Rather have him calling plays for Mac Jones than Joe Judge <laughs> or Matt Patricia, let's be honest. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Jets will be lucky if they split their series against New England. Um, uh, and, and interesting here. So, so they take on New England in week eight here at home, and then they have to travel to New England. It's right after their bye. That bodes well. So they're going to have a lot of time to prepare for New England, and they'll take on New England uh, on November 20th. Okay? Uh, the Miami Dolphins. Not a big fan of uh, of Tua. They've got a new head coach. I think there's going to be some growing pains there. Granted, yes, I love what they did, what they've done with their wide receiving core. I mean, Tyree Kill, we know how great he is. Um, but uh, I still think Miami's going to struggle. I don't think Tua is going to be able to stay healthy, uh, to say the least. And um, and I, just not a not a fan of his game. So I I think the Jets will be lucky if they go one in one. Okay, I don't know. Maybe they go. Maybe they go two and zero against the Dolphins. Now you know the schedule bodes well for them. Um, they're taking on Miami at home on October 9th here, and then they're in Miami the last game of the season on January eighth, which is great. Weather conditions down in Miami in January, fantastic. They don't have to go down there. They have to go to Miami and play Miami in September. Huh. Good luck with that. You think today is hot? Huh. Nothing on Miami in September, that's for sure. So that so that the schedule bodes well for them in that regard. So let's just say I think the Jets will be lucky if they go three and three in the division. Maybe they go two and four. Okay? I think they'll be very fortunate to go three and three. But man, the rest of the the rest of the schedule is is just tough. Just the fact that they start Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati. So they're home against Baltimore. They're at Cleveland, home against Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Jets will be lucky if they're one in three in the first four weeks. Let's be honest. Okay. Then at Green Bay, at Denver. Uh, and, and then, and then of course, like the good thing for them is they do have a bye week that pops up in week 10. I know um, there's a few people out there who feel that this is a Jets team that very well could start off the season 0 and 9, maybe 1 and 8. They're going to have possibly 13 players that are going to be starting on this roster that are either rookies or second-year players. Not a lot of veterans on this, on, on this roster. Keep that in mind. The second half of the season, a lot easier, right? Like, again, coming off of a bye week, traveling to New England, taking on the Patriots, and then they've got Chicago. I really like Minnesota. They're in Minnesota on December 4th. I, I think Minnesota has a good shot here, guys, believe it or not winning the division over the Green Bay Packers. That's how good I think Minnesota is going to be this year. But they've got Chicago. They've got Detroit. They've got Jacksonville. They've got Seattle. So those are all winnable games. And so obviously a much easier second half of the season than, of course, the first, to say the least. Um, so, you know, just, just taking a look at the schedule and just, you know, 
commenting on, on what Berrios had to say on the Rich Eisen show. I, I love the optimism. You know, obviously, you're a professional athlete. You want to come in each and every year saying, like, listen, you know, we're, our goal each and every year is to win it. We've got it. And I'll be rooting the heck for the Jets um, this season. Would, would love to see them come out and, and really make some noise. And, and you know, uh, Zach Wilson, you know, have a, have a better season than he did last year. I mean, his statistics, uh, bottom of the barrel in, in every major quarterback statistic last season. So he needs to take a huge leap forward this year. A lot of young guys he's going to be working with uh, on the offensive line as well as skilled position players. Love the draft pick with Garrett Wilson. Can't wait to see what he can do in the NFL. Uh, what, what an absolute treat. The fact that Atlanta passed up on him and he was still there for the Jets to draft uh, when they did. So I just, I, I don't, I don't have hefty expectations here and, and not to, not to, uh, you know, poo poo on what Barrios had told Rich Eisen. I just, I think this schedule is a beast, especially the first nine weeks of the season. And I think because you've got potentially 12 to 13 positions that are going to be occupied by rookies or second year players, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains for this Jets team and this Jets organization this coming season. Let's go to James in Queens. James, welcome in. What's up, Anita? Hi. Hey, just making sure I was on. We're on our way to the beach, so we're a little distracted, but we're listening to your show, and it's a good one. Thank um, you. I like that you've always been a Daniel Jones supporter, and I can appreciate you saying that if we don't see production from him this year, that you know we might have to find – we have to part ways. Um, I don't feel like he's the guy. A lot of Giants fans don't feel like he's the guy. But I think the real issue right now is Staquan Barkley. Um, I don't think we've got number two overall draft pick production from him. And you can say, oh, injuries, oh, the offensive line, he stepped on that guy's ankle, rolled his foot. But he's about to come out of a contract, and he's going to look to get paid. And I think there's a lot of room there for us to get wide receiver talent, maybe some draft picks. There's something we can get for him because we need to upgrade a lot of positions on this team. And, you know, while I was on hold of thinking to myself, I don't feel comfortable with them going 4-4 four and four before the nine, for week 9 bye week with their upcoming schedule in the regular season. I mean, you got Dallas in there. you got Green Bay in there. Uh, Titans out of the gate. You know, there's some upgrades we can get for this guy, and I think we need to do it before he starts asking big money and becomes a free agent. That's, where I, that's what I feel. Yeah, and, and James, and, and thank you so much for listening on your way out to the beach. Really do appreciate it. Um, and, and solid call, and you're right. I mean, you know, what has Saquon Barkley proven to this organization and this franchise that he's worthy of the amount of money that I'm sure he feels he's deserving of um, heading into, of course, uh, his, his next deal, his next contract out of his rookie contract. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Personally, I, I'm, I'm not looking at it teams that do well in the NFL and where they spend the most amount of money. It's quarterback, obviously, right? Um, it's left tackle on the offensive line. It's shut down corner because there's very few of those in the NFL. Um, and it's defensive end. Pin your ears back, get after that opposing quarterback. Those are the four areas. And uh, there are teams now that are are looking organizations that are looking at defense. Like you want to sure up every you know linebackers are getting paid a little bit more money than they have in the past. The linebacking position 
is getting a lot more value, especially monetarily. So with that being said, I am not someone, I am not going to pay a running back uh, insane money. I'm just not. I mean, listen, I've been playing fantasy football forever and a day. When one running back goes down, another no name pops up and they put up the same statistics. We see it time and time and time again. So not to take anything away from Saquon Barkley, immense talent, was able to see what he was able to do at Penn State. Really haven't seen him be able to, uh, you know, transition that into the NFL with the Giants because uh, he's been he's been injured. But we know what the potential is there. I'm just I'm not investing in that. And even if he wasn't injured, even if we had a, a better um, sample size of what he can do, me personally, as if I was a GM. I would not put money. I would not invest money in the running back position. Just to me, it's, it's just, it's, it's not, not to say that it's not a, a, it's not, it's an, obviously it's an important position, but I think there are a plethora of guys out there that can perform and can can perform well to get you where you need to go as a running back in the NFL. I think there's other positions that are more important and more worthy of spending that dollar. Um, especially the big ones in the NFL. So uh, solid call. Appreciate it. And again, thank you so thank, thank you so much for listening on your way out there to the shore. Anita Marks with you. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll continue with your calls right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. Click or don't click. A fun way we take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport and find out what is trending based on the headlines. And, uh, of course, our producers lead the way. And today it's Tom and Jacob. Gentlemen. All right, so earlier this week it was announced that Vince McMahon, I can't say his name, Vince McMahon, McMahon. yeah, there we go, Mm -hmm. is retiring as the WWE chairman and CEO, which of course signals a massive shift in pro wrestling. In a WWE press release, the 76-year-old McMahon, he further announced that his daughter Stephanie and current WWE president Nick Khan will be taking over as co-CEOs. Now, of course, Vince McMahon has a treasured history of bringing professional wrestling into the limelight and growing the sport immensely and making superstars and well-known names 
out of many, many individuals who've come and gone from there. Um, not leaving on the greatest of terms, though, um, if you don't recall, um, McMahon had to step down from his role as chairman and CEO in the wake of a Wall Street Journal uh, report that revealed a WWE board investigation into a $3 million hush payment given by McMahon to a former WWE paralegal. But regardless of that, McMahon retires and a new era in WWE will be born because of that. Anita, were you ever a huge WWE fan or wrestling fan at all? Um, uh, no, but very funny. My um, so my mother, my my parents got divorced when I was very young, and my mother remarried, and um, and and the man that my mother remarried was a huge MMA fan and loved watching wrestling on Saturday afternoons, and um, and so I used to watch with him and became a huge fan of Dusty Rhodes. Do you guys even know who Dusty Rose is? Oh, yeah, the American Dream. There you go, Jacob. Look at you. <laughs> so, um, so am I a fan of of MMA right now? I mean, wrestling net right now? No, I'm not. I, I know there are a lot of people who are. I know, um, of course, uh, Peter Rosenberg is. Um, I know a good friend of mine, Michelle Beadle, loves wrestling. There's people out there who absolutely love it. I I'm not into it. Uh, but I was when I was younger. I, I used to love sitting on the couch on Saturday afternoons and watching Dusty Roads with my stepfather. <laughs> so, I, I, in fact, if you see me on Daily Wager, you know that I have uh, a plethora of my uh, level 500 T-shirts. I have like every NFL player, NBA, Major League Baseball. I actually have a Dusty Roads shirt from 500 level that I have worn on Daily Wager before. Just FYI. But anyway. Um, yeah, new day for, uh, for wrestling. That's for sure. Without McMahon being a part of it. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and Anita, by the way, I, I still need my, uh, 500 level shirt. I'm waiting on it. Um, which, what I'm sorry, remind me, remind me again, which, what, so I forgot what, it was, it was a while ago. I know, but if you could if, tell me now, I'll, I'll order it today. What, if you could have any athlete, what, who would it be? NFL, major league baseball, um, hockey, I can't think, NBA. but you know what surprised me? I'll, I'm here for any shirt you give me. No, 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 no. Okay, tell me, what are your teams? What are your teams, Jacob? Mets, Knicks, Jets. So you Mets, pick Knicks, Jets. Got it. Tom, if you if you could have any player shirt, who, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I am not ready for this question on the spot, to be honest. Okay, all right. Um, text me. Text me later. Text okay. me later. Well, anyway, uh, let's go. What what is what's the next uh, what's the next topic that's trending? All right, from retirement to a lifetime ban. Anita, are you interested? Mm, yeah, you had me at ban. Okay, well, uh, Pete Rose is appearing on the Philadelphia oh, Phillies geez. field for the 1980 World Series title team. Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, his first time since uh, his lifetime ban that he will be appearing uh, for the Phillies in uh, MLB. Uh, he agreed to the ban in about August 1989 after... Uh, investigation and his uh numerous bets mm -hmm. on cincinnati red wins from uh 85 to 87 um he appealed his band back in 2015 which was denied um rose still leads uh with hits uh he's a seven time 17 time all-star he has 826 of his uh 4256 hits with the phillies all spanning from a five years from 79 to 83 um I guess this is great for Pete Rose. Hopefully, um, maybe a step in the direction where 
his ban is lifted. Uh, Anita, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't think his ban will ever be lifted, um, whether agree to it or not, especially uh, this day and age and where we are in, in, in the state of gambling and gambling on sports right now. I mean, look what happened with um, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I'm sorry. How stupid must you be? You're an NFL player and you're wagering with your own name. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so ridiculous to me that he making millions of dollars and 1500 in bets. Like, I don't know. It's just, you're, wa- you're wagering, you're wagering, you're wagering with your own name. Right. Like, it, at least send your friends or family, something like, I, I just, I don't quite get that. And, and of course, you know, he's, I think if, if correct me if I'm wrong, right. He's suspended for the entire season, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. suspended for the, he's suspended for the entire season. I'm pretty sure it's without pay too, but yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think I don't think this is the time right now. Um, <laughs> guys, I'm actually sending you a photograph right now. So Pete Rose used to do a radio show with me when I was down in Miami, and I'm sending you a picture of the two of us right now. You're gonna die. Um, so uh, I just don't I don't think I don't think right now is the time that uh, that Major League Baseball says, okay, Pete, you're you know you're forgiven. And we're and and we're just gonna wipe wipe the slate clean, because we are right now we are at an all time sensitive level when it comes to professional athletes and professional gambling, and yeah. so I I think I just don't think it's the right time unfortunately for for Pete Rose uh, to to get a clean slate. I guess uh, my question to you: uh, When is the right time? Uh, because you know I guess sports gambling is a uh legal for most sports and um in most states so when is that time? i don't i don't think there will be i i just and 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 again i you know listen at the end of the day athletes athletes have done worse things in life that are still able to play and and still be have the opportunity to get into some type of hall of fame right and have done like exponentially worse things than gamble pete rose is being used as an example you know so kind of like how plexico is used oh, that's in a, regard oh by the in way in regard in regard to gun control by the way that's a great picture with you and pete you like you like that <laughs> yeah yeah i was a baby then huh I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it up. I'm gonna put it up on Twitter. I think you should share it. Yes. Okay, Actually. I'll share it. Um, so if you, <laughs> I'm gonna put it up right now. Um, Anita Marks on Twitter at Anita Marks. It's just that simple. So uh, this is when, uh, this is when my early days. I was just getting into the radio business, and I was working. Um, I was working at a radio station down in Miami. It was Fox Sports owned. Um, and I, I, I was, I did a radio show in the mornings from six to eleven a.m. with Stu Gotts, and Pete Rose had a weekly show with us talking Major League Baseball. And so this is, uh, this is, this is, this is from from those days. So I'll, I'll put it up on uh, on social, guys. What else? All right. While you're putting that up on Twitter, and speaking of somebody who won't get in the Hall of Fame, at least in the near future, let's talk about some people who are being inducted into the Hall of Fame today, because it is induction day in Cooperstown. There are seven base former players and managers that are getting into the Hall of Fame today, led, of course, by David Ortiz, mm-hmm. and then some classics such as Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, 
Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, and Buck O'Neill. So those are the seven that are going into the Hall of Fame. And also shout out to our ESPN colleague, Tim Kirkjian, the 2022 winner of the BBW, uh, excuse me, the BBWAA's Career Excellence Award for his work in baseball journalism over the course of his career. So congrats again to Tim Kirkjian on that. And of course, all seven of the players and managers that are going to be inducted into Cooperstown today. Anita, have you ever been up to Cooperstown? You ever taken a visit or been there on induction weekend? So a few, a lot of ways to answer that. Um, yes, I've been up to Cooperstown. I went up there to play a golf course called Leatherstocking, which I feel is, to, in my opinion, top five golf course that I've ever played. It's a public course, only $75. I say only uh, $75 to play around. Um, it's a golf course that was um, designed around a nine-mile man-made lake, and it's absolutely spectacular. And so Lou Holtz used to have his golf tournament up there. And so that's, I was introduced to it. Great little town, great little community. Um, you, you, you want to take a few days and get away, go up to Cooperstown, whether it's for the induction, whether it's not, um, reserve a room in a little bed and breakfast, uh, make a tea time at leather stocking, rent a boat on the lake, do some, uh, do some, some jet skiing or, or, you know, or water skiing, whatever the case it's absolutely gorgeous up there. So yes, I've been up there, but I have not been up there for um, for the uh, the festivities. Gotcha. But have, you have been to the Hall of Fame though before, correct? Yes, I have. Excellent, excellent, excellent. But yeah, I, I could speak on that. I was there as a kid, I think when I was like 12 or something like that. And I just remember being amazed by just like even walking through the town and just being enriched in history going to Doubleday Field as well, taking in. I think there was actually a game going on that day, too, just between, I think, some, like, high school teams or something like that. But uh, between that and the surrounding area, and then if anybody's heard of Cooperstown Dreams Park, um, where you can go play as a kid, and they have, like, a huge tournament where they usually bring in, like, over 100 teams there, that's just another piece of Cooperstown that you should check out as well. Um, you know, I find it, you know, as you know, I, I, I live here in, in Hoboken, and, um, and so I'm sure you guys know this, right? Like Cooperstown and Hoboken will forever be at war debating on where the first professional baseball game was ever played. Hoboken claims it was here really right on Washington street. And I want to say 12th Avenue, um, in Cooperstown claims that it's, it's in Cooperstown. Are you guys aware of that? I am not actually aware of that, but I'm going to side with Hoboken because you know what? I got to I got to rep my <laughs> home you? state, New Jersey. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you going to side with Hoboken because you're from here? That's why. I honestly, Absolutely. I honestly thought Anita would have did it first, but Tom, you beat her to it. Why not? <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, if you come here to Hoboken, you you, you walk around, um, you will see there's there's a, a ton of um you know, uh, history and nostalgia and, and, and pertaining to, to the game of baseball. There's plaques, there's statues all over. In fact, that street corner has on, you know, it's on one side of the sidewalk has an H and then, and then across from it is a one across from that is a two is, is a two across from that is a three. And they say like, that's right. There is exactly where the field was located. And so um, I want to say it's like on Washington and 12th, if I remember. So next time you're in Hoboken, a little nostalgia for you, history, uh, definitely check that out. Is that it, guys? 
that is all for Click or Don't Click today. There we go. That's what's trending at 11.24 a.m. on the Saturday morning here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.